Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello and welcome to the Road End Podcast, where each week we will speak to a new guest, get to know them and talk all things Liverpool. Hello everyone, welcome to the Road End Podcast. I'm delighted to say today I'm joined by Chef Dave Critchley. Or Dave, how do you want me to bring you in? Dave's good, Chef Dave. Yeah, Chef whatever. Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Hi Dave, looking forward to having you in. I've seen a lot about you and about the restaurant recently. More so. Um, how's things? Uh, yeah, yeah. Obviously, after a very tricky start to our life here at Luban Restaurant, uh, we opened a couple of months before lockdown. Yeah, which on reflection wasn't the best time to open, but yeah, <clears throat> we uh, we battled, we fought tooth and nail to stay alive, kept the brand alive, um, and once we realised we were stable, did a lot of work out in the communities to make sure everyone around us was okay as well. Yeah. And, We've just done our first full year, which is great. Uh, picked up a few awards along the way, which we weren't quite expecting. But uh, yeah, most notably, we picked up uh, Best Restaurant in Liverpool. And then we picked up Best Restaurant in England at the Visit England Awards as well, which wow. was pretty, pretty phenomenal. Very, very proud of that. So uh, yeah, the team's worked the socks off basically this year. And uh, hopefully we can just go from strength to strength now. So uh, yeah, although... It's looking pretty bleak, to be honest. Uh, cost of living, Brexit, yeah. all the prices shooting up, but we've just got to keep going, do what we do, and hopefully we can uh, come out the other side of that as well. So, obviously, the cost of living, everything like that, is that starting to affect you already, or are we still seeing the you know decent numbers and things like that in the restaurant? I think what we're seeing is um, still good numbers of people going out, but what people are willing to spend is, is noticeably less than it was. Yeah. I'd say three, four, five months ago, um, or when we first came out of lockdown, everyone went a bit crazy and everyone was happy to go and spend money on the things that they've missed so much. Um, yeah. But now we're certainly seeing um, still a lot of people going out, but it looks very much like they're keeping an eye on how much they're spending, um, which is a little bit worrying for us. Obviously, we need sales. That's where a business yeah. we need to pay our 30 staff. We need to pay all our bills. All our bills have shot up as well. Obviously, yeah. if you're at home looking at your electricity bill, we'll think about a restaurant. We, we're, our prices have doubled, tripled, quadrupled, do you know what I mean? So uh, same for gas. Um, Is there any know. help with that? So when I say that, I'm saying, like, obviously, they're giving grants and stuff to people who are struggling. Is, does that come into the <laughs> hospitality industry? Uh, no, not that we've noticed so no. far. So, um yeah, it looks very much like that we're going to be left uh, to our own devices to try and survive again. Like I said, we came through Brexit. Uh, sorry, we came through. We came through lockdown, and we thought that was going to be really tough. We watched the the damage that Brexit was doing, and we knew we'd have to get through this as well. And now we've got this massive um, energy crisis, I suppose, which is is causing this massive um, cost of living crisis as well. So. Yeah. Energy prices are through the roof. Um, I think something came out today saying 
supermarket prices are now up 11% from where they were last year. So there are so many products across the entire range are now shooting up in price at the same time that our electricity and, and the energy bills are through the roof as well. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be incredibly tough. But um, yeah, I just feel like we've been fighting ever since we opened the doors here at Luban. So we're going to carry on fighting. It's what we have to do. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Um, I mean, you only have to uh, ask the question to someone about the restaurant and everyone seems to, like, let's say, rave about it. Yeah. And yeah. that's that's what you want to hear, isn't it? Because word of mouth and recommendations get you far. 100%. We've always set out to be far more than just, just dinner. Do you know what I yeah. mean? It's not food on a plate. We wanted the whole experience from walking through that front door to getting your drinks, getting served, uh, having your meal, uh, desserts, coffees, teas, cocktails at the end, back into the bar for a quick drink before you go home and then and then eventually leaving. We wanted it to be a, a flawless experience um, and something that people remember. Uh, why we do get people who really enjoy it. We, we put a lot of effort into getting everything just right. And uh, yeah, lots of training and lots of hours goes in to make it an experience for people who walk through the doors. So Hopefully we'll uh, be able to carry on doing that for years to come. <laughs> so just a, a bit about you and obviously you've you've explained the restaurant and how things are at the moment. Um, why did you want to be a chef? Uh, good question. Uh, probably uh, safe to say I never I never set out to become a chef. Uh, I'd always want art and design and um, graphics and things like that. I actually went to a college and university um to do illustration for children's publishing oh, wow. um, the whole time since the age of 15 i've been working in kitchens for a bit of money in my back pocket uh and yeah basically helped me pay my way through through education so um after working in, in kitchens for so long i just kind of realized i'd fallen in love with it really it was something i wanted to do i enjoyed the buzz of the kitchen that, that um adrenaline of a saturday night it's hard to kind of replace that with anything else. Um, yeah. It's a really good good vibe when everything's going well. You've got your full team working around you and uh, and you have a great night. It's, it's brilliant. Nothing compares to it. Um, yeah, I kind of finished university, came out, and there was no jobs in that field in the country anyway. I would have had to leave the country and gone to the States or mm. somewhere else in Europe to try and pick up work. Um, it was an easy decision for me just to hop back full-time into what I was still doing part-time at the time anyway, which was, yeah, carry on working in kitchens. And uh, I just didn't look back then. Um, got all my qualifications on the job and then just went from place to place, trying to improve, trying to become the best, basically, and, and, and learn from everyone around me. And that was it. That was it, really. I've, I've seen you on the, the Great British menu. And, I, I mean, how did you feel about that? How did you feel like everything come across and what was the experience like? Yeah, really good. Uh, obviously, it was it was it's an honour to be asked to go on that show. That's something as a young chef you watch when you yeah. get kind of learning your trade, and you always feel like I, I want to get on that show. Uh, when the call came in, I was um, yeah, a bit surprised. We just opened the restaurant. Um, in fact, I think we were just into lockdown actually, um, so it was quite difficult. Uh, everything we had to do was filmed under kind of lockdown uh, rules and regulations. Mm. We'd literally just open the restaurant, I had to drop everything, just grab a load of stuff and go down there. Uh, no time to practice uh, because we were, yeah, we were just so busy at the time. Um, and I assume a- dropping everything, that was, it was a no-brainer. 
<laughs> yeah, it's one of them. When the call comes in, you've got to go and do it. Um, for me personally, massive, massive tick in the box there. But um, also, we were we were trying to keep the business alive. It was yeah. a brand new business, just gone into lockdown. So um, we thought it was a great opportunity to get the uh, business on air and uh, in front of as many people as possible. And it, it certainly did that. Um, was I prepared for the first great British venue? Absolutely not. I went in there on a hope and a prayer and winged it. Totally winged it. <laughs> so but for I anyone still, that doesn't know, you, you've been on there twice. Yeah. I still wanted to uh, come across as me. Mm. Um, behind the scenes, it's a little bit, not many people know this, but it's a little bit scripted in the way that they want you to say certain things. There's lots of questions that are deliberately leading you down a path. Do you know what I mean? Ah, okay. Stop certain things but I've never been a fan of following the plan so I just kept to my own script and did my own thing um, and then uh, this year we were on it again um, so I got invited back after last time I went on and did it and I was far more prepared mentally yes. I knew what was coming up I knew all the surprises that were in wait for you uh, and all the tricks where things are getting switched off and moved around and I was way more prepared for it, so I felt I could be far more relaxed and just be myself. You wanted to come across as yourself, as a personality, as a chef. What we see on the TV and what we see on shows, we see. I mean, I don't get the impression that you're going to slap a sandwich on someone's head and call them an idiot sandwich. So what's your personality like in the kitchen? Um, I like to think of myself as far more of a clock figure. Um, I'm very much trying to get the best of all my guys around me, big arm round the shoulder when they need it. When times are getting tough, I'll be leading from the front. So uh, I'll make sure that, um, yeah, I wouldn't do anything. I wouldn't ask anything of anyone that I wouldn't do myself. Do you know what I mean? So I yeah. always try and lead by example. Uh, I've got respect for my team. I'm not going to ball them out in front of people, in front of customers, in front of their other teammates. If there's an issue, we'll sort it out later. The main priority always has to be um, the, the guests. The guests have to have this amazing experience. So um, the best way I can deliver that is with a team working in harmony. Yeah. These guys work long hours. We all work long hours. It's kind of 12, 14-hour days, um, very rarely with a break in there. So I need to keep them upbeat, positive the whole time. And like I said, if there is any issues, we'll leave it till the end. Do you know what I mean? We'll get through. That's, that's what you want, isn't it? Because, yeah, I mean, in, in any stage of life, like, there's nothing worse than being called out in front of people to say, you're this, you're that, or why hasn't this been done? And I can imagine the pressures, the heat, the exhaustion exactly with the 12 hour 14 shifts the last thing you want to do is get called uh, in front of someone isn't it well exactly imagine how that makes you feel so um i need these guys to run through walls for me i need them i need them to deliver almost the impossible do you know what i mean when you get mm. low people coming in at once you've got big tables that are running late you've got the next lot of tables that have come in early you've got this this perfect storm of so many people all sitting down and ordering at the same time mm. and even though they're all in the right the right frame of mind just to smash it on regardless so a lot of positivity a lot of positive thoughts uh i work with them on the mindset as well to try and create these monsters mentality monsters <laughs> all the cliches in they need to be that it's not you got to think these guys are doing, let's say, 10,000, 12,000 steps a day, 14 hours. It's very physical, lots of calories being burned. Like you said, lots of stress. They've got to think quickly. 
Um, and, and guests are demanding, customers in the restaurant are demanding people. No one wants to wait for their food, do you know what I mean? And if something's wrong, you're going to hear about it. Um, so like you said, you've, you've got to build a team of strong people in terms of mentally and physically. And you've got to be able to, um, yeah, if I ask them to come in on a day off, I know if they enjoy working here, they're more likely to say, yeah, I'll, I'll come yeah. in and do it, no problem. You've got to build a team, a strong team that is, yeah, you build this mentality. It's us against the world. You know what I mean? Whatever walks through them doors on a Saturday, we're gonna we're gonna deliver. We're just gonna smash it out. Do our very best, and uh, at the end, we'll all have a beer. At the end, and it will all be great. That's what you want. Uh, well, so you'd say Chef Jürgen then? Chef Jürgen. <laughs> yeah. Someone asked all me the Jürgen clap at the kitchen world, and I was I was more than happy to take that. So um, I, I think I'd take that in any. <laughs> if you compare us to Jürgen, we're doing well. Yeah, we're doing all right, eh? <laughs> Moving into the Liverpool side of things, so how long have you been a Red? Most probably people say cliche, all our life, things like that. So yeah, how did you know you was a Red and this was for you? Oh, yeah, interesting, isn't it? Um, I have been a Liverpool supporter as long as I can remember. Um, as a yeah, as a as a kid in the playground, it was always yeah. Liverpool shirts on when it was on, on clothes day. Remember that Mufti day? Yeah, fifty p in the um, little bucket. <laughs> yeah, it was always in the in the schoolyard. We were Liverpool players. Um, it was watching the scores on the telly text. God, I feel so old now. Um, yeah, <laughs> sitting there watching the scores. Come in on a Saturday afternoon, and you'd be looking for the Liverpool score. Um, yeah, with my dad, we'd sit there and watch. I remember my dad taking me to my first football match. I can't remember how old I was. Um, I could probably work it out with some quick maths. I remember Grobelar being in goal. It was against Man City. Um, I think we won 1-0 that day. But um, if there's a stat out there, work out when that was. That was the first time we went to a match together. Um, yeah, and then, and then my dad used to take me every year on my birthday. Um, we'd go to a match from there on. Then. So um, so that was it. So, yeah, as, as long as I can remember, I remember having the... Um, the duvet covers and the wallpaper was quite freaky, actually. I had Robbie Fowler's face on the wall. And, um, yeah, I think Rob Jones, for some weird reason, was on that. <laughs> as long as he's not there now. <laughs> <I'm Rob. laughs> We're friends with Rob on Twitter, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. No idea what you were doing on my wallpaper. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he'd be made up with that now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but, um, that's it. So your earliest memory, yeah, I... Mine was something similar like that. I think I can't remember the game, but I can remember shouting someone's name that I probably never shout again in my life. Um, come on, Collymore. And I, yeah. <laughs> I remember me dad just going, Okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, did you get to the game often? Or, um, you know, with your you know, I've never had a season ticket, there's no point me having one. I've always worked Saturdays, I've always worked pretty much Sundays up until relatively recently. Um, so getting to matches was always quite difficult. I used to go, as I said, as a kid, I'd go with my dad for my birthday. It was my, it was my treat. Do you know what I mean? It was yeah. my treat to go then. Um, I did actually end up uh, cooking for Liverpool Football Club for about four years. Um, every time there was a home game, mm. big supporters will know they used to stay at Hope Street Hotel. So, um, And I was the exec chef at Hope Street Hotel at the time. So... There's a contract that gets signed between the football club and the hotel, and there's a certain amount of all the home games we have to be there for. And we have to, yeah, um, they they take a whole floor of the hotel, they put them up there, they come normally and sleep. 
the night before, so they're all there on the day. You get up in the morning. So we'd normally do like an evening meal when they came. They'd arrive, have the dinner, they'd go to bed. I'd have to be back there again first thing in the morning, 5 a.m. I'd be there getting everything ready. Um, and the players would start getting up around kind of 6, 7 o'clock. They'd all be up, come down for breakfast. Uh, then they'd go back for another lie down. If it was an afternoon game, hard life, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> back up again. They'd have, um, they'd have a meal again, then a walk. Uh, and then they'd be off off to Anfield. So, um, yeah, I did four years of cooking for the guys there. That was kind of the end of the Brendan Rodgers era uh, and then the start of the Klopp era. So um, I used to get, they'd, they'd often slip me tickets and say, can you make it to the game? Can you get there? So I'd normally get a little backhander here and there. Um, I'd go downstairs, check the kitchen. It was all right for a few hours and then just bail into the next taxi and go <laughs> straight back and straight into service again. So uh, I've certainly been to plenty over the years. Um, like I said, I try and get there when I can. It's more likely to be midweek games now because yeah. because of the work I do. So, um, yeah, it's been good. More recently been in, in the in the posh seat in hospitality. So uh, yeah, yeah, I noticed that. You can tell you're moving <laughs> up in the world, can't you? <laughs> so if you get the invite, you go. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Been very, very, very fortunate and very lucky um, to work with some great people and be friends with some great people who, who will invite me every now and then to go along. So, but my dad's, uh, yeah, my dad's on my case to get me into hospitality. I think it's only fair after all the years he took me to. So, I am working on it, Dad. We'll go to one soon. <laughs> yeah, so, if anyone's listening, I can hear Dave plugging this. Get the hospitality sorted. <laughs> <laughs> We invited. We had one of the players in. We had one of the players in the other day, and they've invited me to a, a Champions League game. So that's brilliant. Might be, take, might be taking me dad then. So uh, yeah, yeah, be good. Smashing it. Yeah, doing okay. <laughs> doing all right. So um, the season uh, we've started. I mean, it's been a bit up and down, hasn't it, from the start? Um, we all seen the Community Shield and thought, yeah, no one's touching us. Then we have yeah. Fulham. Then we have Palace. Then United. Yeah, more positive the other night. Yeah, well, yeah, certainly so. Yeah, nine 0 against Bournemouth. I think I'm one of them. I've seen, I've seen some shocking Liverpool teams over the years, and so I've been there and sat there. I, I was sat when we got battered by it was Blackpool at Anfield. Absolutely yeah. turned. But I was sat there. Do you know what I mean? I sat, I've been sat in games during the Hodgson era. So. Try not to let it get 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 you down too much when you see a bad result or a bad couple of results. Yeah, it was the worst start in ten years, but it was what two draws and a loss. It's not the end of the world, is it? In the grand scheme of things, it's a long season. You're going to drop points. I think everyone's going to drop points this season. City as well. I think it's just a disappointment after what we've seen over the last couple of years, and the knowing that um, you have to be virtually perfect to win the league now that's that's the standard that's been set by City and yeah. uh, just credit to Klopp for even keeping Liverpool there um, on that's their season yeah. after season what a job he's done do you know what I mean well, when you look at some of the players now I mean you can see the the mental let's say the breakdown of the mentality is starting to happen to a couple of them I'd say more so because of the impact on the bodies, the minds, that's yeah. got to wear you down, especially the ones that have been there right throughout that. So yeah. it's, it's hard to criticise because we don't know what goes on behind the closed doors in terms of their life, being in that sheltered 
mm. you know, they can't do much really, can they, without someone like harassing them in the public? Um, and I wouldn't fancy a double session under Klopp, I'll be honest with you. I love the yeah. Reds, I always wanted to be one growing up. I look yeah. at it now and think, nah. <laughs> I think it's the same with anything, isn't it? It's the sacrifices those guys have made to yeah. be where they are now, and then what they still have to go through now. You've got to think that these these lads have given up most of their teenage years, and um, yeah. not being a going out partying or whatever else. Then, then the early twenties. This is when the the moment of breakthrough normally is kind of late teens, early twenties. So again, you've got to have this really structured life. Um, it's, it's probably very military life, do you know what I mean? I, I'm, mm. I'm not sure exactly, but I've seen um, how how military and how how regimented like their eating was when I was obviously cooking for them. I saw a huge change, in fact, from the Brendan Rogers to the Clock era. Oh, really? Oh, 100%, yeah. So it was very much what you'd expect under Brendan Rogers, not particularly him, but that just happened to be the manager at the time. So I'm, I'm watching their meals and it's... It's very much like chicken and pasta and sauce and what you'd imagine they've been eating for like 20, 30 years. Mm. But then when Klopp came in, he, he changed it completely in terms of brought Mona in from uh, Germany. Yeah. Mona Nemer, who's just at the top of her game as a nutritionist. Uh, and the menus went from like this to huge, like... Oh, really? Novels with all these different ingredients and different things. And it was it all became more of an experience for the players. So... There was lots of different textures and colours and flavours and, and all kinds. And um, yeah. It Surely whole... that's that's gotta have a positive effect as well, because if you're just eating the same stuff day in, day out, it can just be repetitive, it can be boring, you might want to eat something that you probably shouldn't. So if yeah. there's different things there available for them, I mean I'm no chef, but it's nice to see something different on your plate, isn't it? hundred percent. I just saw a noticeable difference immediately when, when Mona came in and it was very much that is very old school and this is now what we're doing. Do you know what I mean? So it was cutting edge. Um not many other football teams had someone like Mona at that level working there at the time. I think a lot of everyone's kind of catching on and catching up to it now. But um yeah, as I say, it was very regimented. It was that at this time you had to wake up and you had to drink this and then Half an hour later, that's when you sit down and you have your dinner. Then you've got this amount of time to like to rest and recuperate. Then this time you get enough for your walk. It was that to the minute. It's regimented. So you've got yeah. to think these guys have been doing this for like, yeah, 20 odd years, some of them. So you're going to get to a point, especially under the likes of Klopp, who we know like likes to get the absolute most out of his players, um, makes them run through walls, like literally. Um there is going to be a bit of breakdown, and 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 you never know what what is the what's the mental kind of um, what's the mental side of things when they're watching players injured. Do you know what I mean? And they're mm-hmm. watching he's just got injured, and he's just got injured, and all that person's just got injured. There's got to be a lot of psychology associated with that. It's like we're yeah. all going to step in now and put a double shift in. Effectively, it's like in the kitchen. Um, it's the only analogy I know. But um, yeah, we're a man down in the kitchen. That just means everyone has to work harder. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's simple. So if you lose a really good player in that position, you might be able to put a set of legs in there, but you know everyone else is going to have to pitch in to help. Do you know what I mean? So, so the mentality of going into a game knowing that you're four or five players down probably isn't great. And then in training... Are you putting everything into training? Are you putting everything into it on the pitch, knowing that everyone else around you is dropping like flies? It's just like that must that must seriously like yeah. Well, that worried me on the um. That was the 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 biggest worry for me for the United game was more so the effort 
um, watching the game. And, you know, if you get beat, you get beat. It's one of them that we can't win every game. We don't lose yeah. many, but when we do, it's about how you get beat. Yeah, now, yeah. I didn't, the attitude for me stunk on that game. And obviously, it's, the, it's probably one of the biggest games of the season for us. So, was I rather that was now than the end of the season? Definitely. Because we get that out the way. And I've got a feeling that won't happen again. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, Klopp apparently didn't say anything to them after the game. Apparently, if it's what, what's coming out, he's basically said, I've got no words for any of you. I'll speak to you all on Wednesday and left them all. And that was probably the most damning, damaging thing he could have said to them because they would have been like, holy shit, do you know what I mean? Well, that's on par with someone saying, I'm not angry, I'm disappointed. 100%. And I think he was right to do that as well. There's only so much clock can do. It comes down to the players on the pitch doing their thing, isn't it? So, um, yeah. But like I said, we move on. We, we've always struggled at Old Trafford. From, yeah. from, from many years, I've seen us struggle at Old Trafford. Obviously, it's nice recently to see us pick up some good results against them. But really, yeah, I didn't have a great feeling about that one going into that one the other day. No, I, I was a bit up and down about it. Um, I was sort of thinking, oh, can't see them. Can't see them doing anything at United. They've still got this same old attitude. And um, to be fair to them, it was their cup final. <laughs> so they played they like it. They were up for it, weren't they? They mm-hmm. were up for it. They knew how much it meant, whereas we just didn't seem to. It was just, yeah, slow and lazy and lethargic. And in fairness, I didn't watch it. It was one of the very few matches at the side that I wasn't going to watch because I had a lot to do that day. And I thought, this will just throw my whole day out. Or my evening out, it will just be a mess. I'll be in a bad mood. I won't be able to get anything done. I'll just be fuming. So I was like, Do you know what? I'm, I'm going to sit this one out. <laughs> I'm one of the worst. I'm one of the worst people to watch a football match with if it's Liverpool. Yeah. I get so wound up and I get so agitated until until the game is won. I'm just a nervous ball of energy. Do you know what I mean? So well, no, I'm the complete same. So um, there's there's times when I have. You know, either a friend or someone in the family that'll say, I'll come around and watch it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I don't message them because yeah. I know for a fact I need my zap just focused on the TV. Yeah. And if anyone starts moaning or dissing someone, I'm sitting there, shut up. Stop, yeah. stop going on. <laughs> stop it now. I'm trying to focus and I've got a little noise next to me. I think, no, no. But yeah. I mean, going the game, going the game. I love going the game and that'll never get took from me. But if I decide to watch it at home and don't go, I can't be in a room full of people. I, no. I just can't do it. No, no, no. I don't think I can anymore. Yeah, I'm more like I'm more. If I can't get to it or I can't, yeah, something like that. I'm more likely to have it on my phone watching it. Just a bit sat, sat in a quiet corner on my own somewhere where I can't <laughs> can't do any damage. Can't swear too much. Yeah, keep me lad up. Because <laughs> you'll hear me shouting and screaming, but um. Yeah, yeah, it's tough, tough to watch it. I remember the, uh, the Champions League, I, I had my dad around to go and watch it with me. And at the end of it, he was like, why do you watch football, David? <laughs> <laughs> you clearly can't enjoy it. And I was just like, dad, I'm so stressed right now. Stop speaking to me. Yeah, that, that's it, isn't it? That's it. <laughs> I mean, it's, it. It can be the best thing in the world or it can be the worst thing in the world. And 100%. Unless you understand it. Because there's arguments, there's moods. I was in a mood for days after that game the other night, last yeah. week. Oh, come yeah. But then after the game, Bournemouth, buzzing. Yeah, yeah, it's, exactly. It's, it's up and down, isn't it? The difference, isn't it? It's night and day. So, like, the United one, it's probably the first match I ever watched um, for a long time where I've been able to, if I've not been working, for example. I just decided, I was like, if we lose this, I won't get anything done. I'll be in a bad mood for days. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not letting it affect me that badly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm 
right. I was right too because I didn't watch it. I just stayed off social media. And I was like, you know what? Practically, it basically never happened. That's that's the way I'm looking at it. So I'll take that. I'll t- I think we all will. <laughs> Do you know- <laughs> The re- the restaurant there uh, you mentioned um, a few minutes back about you get you get a couple of the lads in. Um, Tom, no one gets well done, do they? Um, I'm trying to think now. Not in the restaurant. When I was cooking for them, we used to have some funny guys um, habits, eating habits. Yeah, um, I can say this now. I'm not going to mention anyone who currently plays for That's us. Fine. Remember Mario Balotelli, what character? What a yeah. character! Um, only ever used to eat ice cream, so. <laughs> no word of a lie. No word of a lie. We'd come downstairs, like come into the into the the dining room where we'd have all this nice food out and chicken and steak and rice and pasta and whatever else. And he'd just come in, get a bowl of ice cream, and then wander back off to his room again. So a fully grown man. Yeah, fully grown man. Um I used to watch I used to like watching the players and see like they'd all fall into this little pecking order. Who goes up first? And um, obviously Stevie G's been a big, big hero of mine growing up, yeah. watching, watching him come into the team. And then obviously I'd be cooking for him and he was the captain at the time. So he, he would come up first and then closely followed by Suarez and uh, Sturridge and then a few others come after them. But it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was funny watching it all. It was all clearly some kind of politics, you know what I mean, with who the boss is, who's next, who comes up next. Suarez used to come up and steal all the croutons for the soup, like all of them. Like, he'd have a big bowl of soup and then he'd take the whole bowl of croutons you'd made and pour them all in until the whole bowl was covered. And then he'd put loads of parmesan on and literally take everything away with him so all the croutons were gone. He was like that with footy, weren't he? He'd get the ball yeah. and no one else could touch <laughs> it. Like, yeah. uh, He'd follow, he'd follow Stephen Gerrard up and just take whatever he wanted after Steve or after Stevie had eaten. So yeah, he was going to argue with him. Come on, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> I've seen plenty of um, interesting habits from them. Yeah, some some would have well done stuff, some wouldn't. Um, some players would eat certain things. Some people would just refuse to. And like I said, Balotelli just used to have ice cream. So. Just mad. Oh, I mean, do you know what? I don't think I'll ever get over it. Yeah, that's the thing. You can. And I'm surprised it was as um, as good as ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> just... yeah, players used to try and order takeaways as well when they were in the hotel rooms and they'd always get intercepted, always. How they thought they were going to get away with it. Uh, it would normally be players who knew they weren't in the start of 11, in uh, fairness. Yeah. But still, they're trying to order a Domino's at like 1am. And that's obviously. Amazing. The security on every floor, do you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so it was like, no chance. <laughs> Any names? Absolutely. Oh. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think who it was. Now they don't play for us anymore anyway. Oh, good. go on then. Name them all. <laughs> I'm trying to think. No, was it Victor Moses? Ooh. Yeah, I said, but he was in the squad, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, I'm even sure Glenn Johnson tried that once or twice. So yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't expect that, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. I think that's why they tried it, though, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Get away with it. You probably got told to do it for someone else. Yeah, go on, you, you yeah. do it. See if you get away with it. Um, but, yeah. yeah. Had I get in Stevie nailing the dominoes. Yeah. It was all Glenn. <laughs> yeah, it was good fun. We asked our guests to choose their ultimate five-a-side team who they've seen live playing for Liverpool. Let's find out what they said. On the pod, we've um, I've been finishing with 
your ultimate five asides that you've seen live. Now, this could be from childhood to now. Yeah. Um, probably, you know, I go back as far as the 90s with my team. Um, what would yours be? Oh, this is, I mean, this is tough. So obviously there was players that I grew up watching and I idolised, but on reflection, probably weren't that good. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen, I mean, I, I think in recent years we've been treated to some of the best football I've ever seen. So, uh, and, and people could could completely disagree with me, but this, this is my team. So. It's yours, isn't it? <laughs> um, so I've got a, I've probably got a couple for each position, but um, obviously a first goalkeeper I saw live was, was, was Grobelar, um, absolutely mad as a box of frogs. Um, and then there wasn't was was there much better between now and, and now and then. I've seen some some good goalkeepers, but I think Allison's probably the best I've seen in my life in my lifetime live. Anyway, yeah. obviously I'm aware of great keepers like Ray Clements and people like that. But in my lifetime, I'm gonna have to put Allison in goal. So Allison starts in goal. Um, Again, defenders have seen some belters. I mean, Stefan Honshaw used to be a personal favourite of mine. Coltino. Even Steve Steve Finnan was a legend. I, I don't remember people getting past him ever. And I mean, he clearly did, but do you know what I mean? Uh, I just thought he was a legend. But for an all-rounder, um, well, I've still got a couple. Carragher as well. You could put him anywhere along the back and he'd throw his body in. He would just do whatever needed to be done. So... I'd probably have is going to make the subs bench for me here because you can play <laughs> a few different positions and I've got to go with Van Dijk. I mean, got he's to. just he's just a machine, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he's, got, he's got it's got to, isn't it? I mean, Carragher choose Van Dijk over Carragher. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so then I'm gonna. I mean, Van Dijk's enough of a presence to stick him at the back and everything's going to be sound. Do you know what I mean? And then yeah. midfield. See, I've now I thought about defensive mid, and I was like, no, let's just throw caution to the wind. Stevie G's the most complete midfielder I've ever seen. Yeah. Whether he was tracking back, making tackles, he was a great tackler. Um, he'd track back, he would challenge, he would start movements off, and then he'd be up the other end as well, finishing them or setting them up for, for Torres or for yeah, for, for Suarez. So Gerard's gonna play centre mid. Perfect. I've seen some belter players and then you mean know, like um I mean a Jan Moby or even a Mascherano was phenomenal in midfield, just gobbling stuff up. Personal favourite used to be Momo Sissoko. What a player. It just was no a player. He, he looked like he was beaten and then this leg would just come out from nowhere and just take it away from them. Um, such a shame that injury he had with his eyes. Yeah, he was never the same, was he? And then no. along as well, what a what a baller. But Gerard for me just epitomizes everything. You've got to have Stevie Gerard as your captain as far yeah. as that's concerned. So and then we're on to I'll probably play I'll probably play two up front. Um and again I've seen some absolute ballers. Robbie Fowler was probably my boyhood hero watching Robbie. He was yeah. in recently. Thanks Robbie for popping in, coming to see me. Um yeah. Amazing. He could score goals from anywhere, just wherever they dropped. Um but I'm gonna stick him on the bench. Um <laughs> no. We'll be back in your restaurant. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think it matters. I've got Salah up front, just the, the numbers that that man puts in are phenomenal. Um 
he's not the most technically gifted player I've ever seen, but the numbers just speak for themselves. Yeah. What, what a player, like, um, he's just a phenomenon, isn't he? A, a yeah. modern phenomenon. So Salah's in there, and then probably one of the most skillful players I've seen at Liverpool Football Club, which is Luis Suarez. Um, stick him up there. The best um, for me. Because you know he's going to drop back into midfield if you need him there. Do you know what I mean? He's going to win the ball. He's going to pass it off. He's going to move forward. And um, I reckon he's probably one of the best five-a-siders there is in the world. <laughs> Wouldn't fancy it, I'll be honest. He could get the ball through any space there was. I've not seen anyone like him. So um, that's the five. Um, yeah, with a couple of subs there, we've got Carragher. He could play a little bit in midfield if needs be. And, and Robbie Fowler wants me forward to get a bit tired, but but the problem, yeah. Uh, that's it. Alison Van Dyke, Gerard in the centre, and captain with Salah and Suarez up top. He, he, I don't think you're going to do too badly there. No, it's interesting listening to the five results because they're pretty similar in positions. But yeah. then it's always the for me what I always see the difference is the forwards. Now, yeah. I'd have I'd have Suarez over probably anyone just yeah. from what I've seen. But yeah, great. Great. Um, how do I compete with that? I don't even think mine would come close. <laughs> that's gonna get yeah. That's gonna get the uh, that's gonna get the job done. And he could have had so many good players in there. Yeah. Couldn't he? You know, yeah. like John Barnes and like yeah, Ian Rush as well were proper legends. Um, but I just think that that current crop with the with Gerard, the mentality of Suarez, Gerard. Van Dijk, and even all of them, everyone's got the right mentality as well, which yeah. is what it all comes down to, isn't it? Yeah, so, um, okay, let's wrap it up there. Thanks very much for today. It's It's been great to have you on. I mean, I really wanted to get you on there because I've been a bit of an admirer for Luban recently, um, more so from looking of how much you actually care about what you do. It's inspiring for anyone, I think. Um and everyone should have the same mindset in no matter what they do. So if it's something you love and, you know, you want to bring people into that circle of inspiring them and getting them in the same mentality, then I think you're going to go a long way, mate. So I'm I'm hoping, you know, everything works out with this whole, let's say, energy crisis or whatever you want to call this government is driving us into. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope he's come out the other side better than what he's already are, which is difficult. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, it's been great being on, and you're right. I just think if you if you do love something, you're passionate about something, keep that passion burning always, and keep pushing yourself always, and good things will happen. Um, like I said, surround yourself with good people as well. Build a good, strong team. People have to buy into that mentality as well, and hopefully we've, that's what we've done here, and uh, hopefully that'll be enough to see us through. Some more tricky, challenging patches coming up, I'm sure. But yeah, uh, yeah like I said, we're just going to keep on scrapping it out, keep fighting, and uh, hopefully we'll still be on on the other side of things as a good um, Liverpool success story. Basically, that's what we want to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, awesome. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. I'll be in soon. Um, no, well done for me, mate. Make sure that's quite medium rare. <laughs> All of ice cream now. <laughs> I'll speak to you soon. Thanks to everyone for listening to today's episode. Don't forget to follow our social media, twitter.com slash the road end pod, and also our Instagram page, instagram.com forward slash the road end pod.